All right. It's so good to be with y'all today. My name is Kale. I am the new campus director here at The Story. So today is a very special day here, as y'all could see out there. It is our fourth birthday that we are celebrating. So, yeah. It has been an amazing four years. God's been so faithful from launching across the parking lot in the gym to moving into this building a couple years ago. And now later on this year, we'll become one church in two locations. If you aren't familiar with our plan or with our vision, what we're doing, we're becoming a multi-site church. So we will launch a new campus in the fall. But I want to tell you why. I want to let you in on our vision. So what we're doing is we are responding to a call, right? We are responding to this call that Jesus gives us in the Great Commission. What he says is go and make disciples. He doesn't say stay and let them come. He says go and make. And that's our goal. Our church's mission here is pretty simple. It's to inspire non-religious Houstonians to follow Jesus and we think this new campus will help us accomplish that goal. By definition, a call is asking someone to do something that's outside of their depth, right? It's outside of their comfort zone. Having faith is taking a risk. We see it all throughout the Bible where God is calling someone to do something that they're not prepared for. And that's the culture that we want to have here. That's why we recruit for communion. Most of the time, you're not prepared for it. Sometimes it's your first time here. And we do the same thing with leadership. We ask people to be in leadership positions, and most of the time they say, whoa, not me. I'm not prepared to do this. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm not prepared to be your campus pastor. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not prepared. I'm not equipped. I'm not qualified. I'm not educated enough. I'm not. But God led me here. I'm not prepared yet. I'm not equipped yet. I'm not qualified yet. I'm not educated enough yet. I'm not. But Jesus is. And thank God I don't have to do it by myself. Because I promise you, if you relied on me, I would let you down every single day. Thank God he doesn't. And as we're following this big calling as a church, as we're responding to what Jesus calls us to do, it led to my personal calling. And that started way back when I was growing up. So when you're growing up, people ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? And I, was, I didn't know. But I always thought in the back of my mind, I thought, man, it would be pointless if I was anything other than a pastor or a missionary. And then I went to college. And then I got a degree. And then I started my career. And what I did was really I just paved my own way. I started my own path. Don't get me wrong, I loved my job. And I'm so thankful that God taught me during that time was that I could be on mission. I could be salt. I could be light. I could be a witness in any job that I have. I know it took me a long time to get there, but I got there. God was teaching me that. Fast forward, about three years ago, I start dating my now wife. And she brings me to the story. And we fall in love with this church. We fall in love with the mission, with the vision, with the community, with the culture, but really with the people. We start taking more of an active role in the church. We start taking on more and more leadership responsibilities. 
Then last spring, we found out that we're pregnant and we couldn't be happier. So in the summer, last summer, we go on a trip. We go on what's called a baby moon. Does any of you guys know what a baby moon is? I didn't either. I got tricked into it. Uh-huh. But what we do is we go on a trip. But here's what we do during that trip. We plan out our future, right? We plan out our five to 10 year plan. And what that looked like for us was I was gonna continue the trajectory of my career, maybe even start my own business. My wife was gonna retire from teaching. She was gonna stay at home with the kids. And that was our plan. We were excited about that plan. Little did we know God had different plans for us. The very next week, I have a meeting with Eric. I thought it was just going to be some leadership initiative or something else within the church. And it quickly became clear as we sat down that he wanted me to become the new campus pastor to come on staff. I said, I think you're in the wrong meeting, right? I think you got the wrong guy. And that's where I was. And that's when God went to work, right? I remember I was humbled. I was affirmed by what God was doing in my life, but we had just planned out our lives three days ago. I called my wife. (laughs) I called my wife on the way home. I said, you will not believe this conversation that I had. Then God went to work. Then we took another meeting. Then we started earnestly talking and earnestly praying about what that meant for us, what that meant for our family. And God just created this path. There's no other way to explain it, but he created this path that we went down. And trust me, I didn't want to go down it. I didn't. But we just took one faithful step after another. God has a way of moving. God has a way of working that there's no mistake. It's so undeniable that he's doing it. There's no other explanation that God's moving us. And that's where we were. And that's where we're going to pick up this story. So we're going to talk about Moses and the burning bush and how he leads his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and takes them to the promised land. We have just been talking. We spent eight weeks talking about the life of Jacob, right? Exodus is the sequel to Jacob. How Exodus starts, it says, now Joseph and his descendants and that entire generation has passed away. Most people, when they think of Moses, what do you think of? Think of miracles, right? We think of parting the Red Sea. We think of him getting the Ten Commandments on the mountain. We see him seeing the backside of God. I think we have a picture of what some people think when they see Moses. Charlton Hessen, millennials. I had to look that one up too. I didn't know. (laughs) But I want to go back to before that. I want to go back to before the miracles, before Moses let his people out when he was just an ordinary guy. Moses had some baggage. Moses was an orphan. At the time Moses was born, Pharaoh, who was the ruler in Egypt, he saw these Hebrew people, the Israelites, they were just multiplying. They were exploding. God was fulfilling the promises that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, when he said, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. And that's what they were doing. But Pharaoh felt threatened. They were becoming too big of a people to where he thought they could overthrow them. So what he did was he passed a law. And he said, every Hebrew male child that is born is to be thrown in the Nile. They're to be killed. When Moses' mother had him, what she did was she hid him for three months. And when she couldn't hide him any longer, she placed him in a basket and she sent him down the Nile River. Now, typically, I would just go straight 
to the next verse and this, but that text really struck me. We have a three-month-old at home. So can you imagine Moses' mother taking her three-month-old baby, putting him in a basket? He's probably cold, hungry, scared. She places him in a basket and puts him along the Nile River. Moses wasn't supposed to make it. Have we ever been there in our lives? Have you ever been to a place where you weren't supposed to make it? But God rescued Moses. What, he, what we see is that Pharaoh's daughter was right down the river and she takes him in. The first part of Moses' life, he lived in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh's daughter was his adopted mother. Pharaoh was his adopted grandfather. And we see he lives this life of wealth and this life of luxury. He had it pretty good. He had a pretty good life and he was comfortable. And that's where I want to get in to this text. So we're, today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. If not, the text is going to be on the screen behind me. Again, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see God, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. What's interesting here, this is what we think of when we think of a calling, right? We think of a burning bush moment, or we think of God speaking directly to us, or we think that just pastors, just missionaries, just preachers are ones that are called. Except the New Testament says that everyone who says yes to God is called to do something. We see in the Old Testament, very few people have very specific calls. But we see in Acts chapter 2, we see something that happens. It's Pentecost. And we see that the Spirit is calling everyone. Here's what it says. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. Paul tells this church community in Ephesus, this is his community that he loves. And he tells them, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Listen, he didn't write this just to the leaders, just to the pastors, just to the religious leaders of this church. He wrote it to the entire church. What they would do during this time is they would read these letters out loud. And guess what? When they read these letters out loud, Sometimes it was people's first time there. Listen, this church can't fully be the church. We can't reach our full potential until you step into the calling that you have received. The church can't fully respond to our call until you fully respond to yours. Every person contributes to the health of this church body. If a person grows in grace, then the church grows in grace. If a person grows in compassion, then the church grows in compassion. 
If a person grows in hospitality, then the church grows in hospitality. Do you see where I'm going? And now I already know what you're going to say. You're going to say, listen, I'm on board with that. That sounds great, but I'm just too busy. I can't do that. I have too much going on. And I'm glad you gave me those excuses. Because Moses had excuses as well. And this was after he had a burning bush moment. This was after God directly spoke to him. So he had these four excuses that he uses. And let's see if we can relate to any of these excuses. Moses' first excuse. He says, I'm a nobody. Moses says, who am I that I should do that? And God's answer is, I'll be with you. I think this is the first thing that people think of when God's plan is different than our own. We think of ourselves, right? We think of, how does this affect me? Or how can I make this about myself? We say, I'm a nobody, and we put nothing before, and we put nothing after it. It's a dangerous mindset. And that's why I think this is a poor excuse for Moses. He doesn't put anything before it. He doesn't put anything after it. It's almost like this fake humility that he has. He says, no, no, God, you don't understand. I'm a murderer. There's no way that I could ever do this. And God says, yeah, I know. I know, Moses. And that's why I'm using you. Moses just thinks about himself. He doesn't think about God. We see a gr- how this can be a great mindset, though. So we see in the Gospel of John, there's a different John. His name's John the Baptist, and he's Jesus' cousin. And John the Baptist, what he's doing, he's fulfilling all of these Old Testament prophecies. What he's doing is he's calling people to repent, and he's baptizing them. And he's saying, hey, listen, come repent. Wash yourselves clean for the Messiah, the Savior, is coming. He had his own ministry. He had his own disciples. He had his own followers. He had a lot going on. But here's what he says when Jesus comes to him. Here's what he says. He must become greater and I must become less. Do you see the difference here? Do you see how his answer is different than Moses's? What he says is Jesus must become greater. I must become less. Jesus' name must be famous My name must become less. When he puts Jesus in the proper place, when we put Jesus in the proper place as center of our lives and as king of our lives, that's when our plan starts to align with his. The second excuse that Moses has, and this is a little bit better of a one, he says, they aren't going to believe me. Moses said, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. God's answer is, tell them I am who I am. They aren't going to hear from you. They will hear from me. How many testimonies in this room have started that way? Right? You will never believe what God has done in my life. Or you will never believe how far I've come. And I think this is what Moses is saying here. He's saying, no, 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 God, you don't understand. These people, these Hebrew people, these Egyptian people, they know that I'm a murderer. They know me. And isn't that what we tell God when his plans are different than ours? No, 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 God, my family, my friends, they know me, right? They know what I've done. They know my past. They'll never believe that God's calling me. They'll never believe that God's using me. No, 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 God, you don't understand. My coworkers, they know I use foul language at the office. They know that I use this shady tactic to get promoted. They know me. There's no way that they will believe me when I tell him God's calling me to do something. Well, God already knows that about you. And he's using your past exactly for that. That's what makes your testimony. 
the most powerful way to testify to people about what God has done in your life is to tell them what God has done in your life. Testimonies make disciples. Don't take my word for it. We just looked at Jacob. We just looked at his life. If he doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. Let's look at a New Testament example. Saul, this persecutor of Christian. He oversaw all of these executions of Christians. And then one day he's walking along. God calls him, says, now your name's going to be Paul. You're going to be the preacher to the Gentiles. He goes back home. They're like, hey, Saul, what's up, man? He's like, ugh, it's Paul now. I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. Um, hey, Paul, we're rounding up these Christians, man. They're up to something. He's like, ugh, I'm actually their pastor now. Uh-huh. I don't think I can do that with you. But don't let your past keep you from what God is calling you to do. Trust me, it's easy to do, but I promise you, somebody in your life right now needs to hear your story. Somebody in your life right now is going through what you went through and they need to hear how you got out of it. The goal isn't to make people believe in you, it's to make people believe God. Number three, Moses' third excuse. I think he's getting better. Um, He says, I'm not gifted enough to do this. Moses says, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. God's answer is you're still missing the point. All right. How many people here know what or have taken the Enneagram test? Anybody? My millennials in the house. Okay. Okay. Um, for us that don't know, what it is, it's a personality test. So what they have is they have type one through nine, I believe, and it's all these personality generalizations. So what it is, they have the enthusiast, the challenger, the loyalist, the investigator, the individualist, the reformer, the helper, the achiever. I took it last week and I got type two, which is the helper. I go to my wife and say, hey, I got type two, I got the helper. She's like, I think you need to retake the test. I don't know about that authenticity. But here's where I'm going. God isn't going to ask you what your personality type is. Your personality traits, they don't define you. They don't even define what God will call you to do. In this upside down kingdom of God, we see God will tell a type seven and call him to do a type one work. He'll tape a type six and he'll say, who will call them to do a type four work. That's just the way our God is. He's calling you not for your gifts, not for your personality. He's calling you for his, for his plans, for his gifts, for his personality, for his love. And the fourth one, and this is where I think Moses gets really honest with God. Moses says, please send someone else. Moses says, please send someone else. And God's answer is, finally, you're telling me the truth. Finally, Moses gets honest with God. He gets to the root of the issue. We're either really honest and we say, hey, I don't want to do this. God, can you send someone else? Or we couple that with those first three excuses. Right? We say, hey, I'm a nobody, send someone else. Or they'll never believe me, send someone else. I'm not gifted enough, send someone else. But if we're honest with ourselves, that's, what, that's the excuse we identify with, right? We can get on board with God's plan. We can get on board with God calling us, but we just don't want to do it. But we'll help. We're helpers, right? Someone talks about Jesus, we'll chime in. If someone asks what church you go to, we'll tell them about the story. 
But this is the excuse that we most identify with. We'll say, I believe in you, God. I believe in your kingdom work, but right now I am so swamped at work. Right now I have way too much going on. Can you send someone else? Or hey, God, I believe in you, but I just started dating this guy. Or I just started dating this girl. I don't want to freak him out with all this Jesus talk. Can you send someone else? Or hey, God, I just started a family. Or I just started a new job. Or my kids are doing this. Can you send someone else? Or I'm too young. Can you send someone else? Or I'm too old. Can you send someone else? And what we do is we're just like lawyers. Pleading to God, saying, no, God, I'm disqualified. But here's the reality. God is calling that other person to something else. God's calling that other person to do something else. That person who knows the Bible better than you, or who you think is a better Christian than you, or you think can speak better than you. He's calling them to do something else. Why? Because no one else has the same relationship that you have with your friends, with your family, with your spouse, with your kids. No one else can do what you can do. Listen, being called by God is not about you or I'm a nobody. It's not about your past or that they won't believe me. It's not about your talents or your gifts or I'm not gifted enough. It's not about someone else. Being called by God isn't about you. It's about God. Most people in this room, I would bet, feel like they haven't been called by God. The problem is the Bible makes it crystal clear that we are all called. We might just not hear his voice. You want to hear from God? Do you want to know what God is saying? It's right here. It's in this book. It's in the Bible. Most people who say that they haven't heard from God, it's because they're not listening. We don't hear God's voice because we don't know him. And we don't know him is because we don't know the Bible. And we don't know the Bible is because if we're honest with ourselves, we're too busy. We don't hear his calling because it's like a stranger. God's like a stranger to us giving us advice. Look, if we were on the street and some stranger came and gave us some advice or told us how to live our life, what would we do? What would we say? We'd say, nah, we don't need that advice or, we, or worse. But what if your parents or your best friend gave you advice, right? What if they told you how to live your life? What would we do? We would listen. We would at least listen, right? In order to hear from God, you have to have a relationship with him. And that relationship with him starts with knowing him. And that starts with knowing the Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you, he already has. Or maybe, let's say that you heard a call a long time ago in a previous life, right? God tugged at your heart a while ago, but you've lived a life since then. You've had your doubts. You've had your mistakes. Maybe even you've abandoned your faith, but you feel unqualified from that call now. But God called Abraham and he called Sarah the mother and the father of the nations. And you know how many kids they had when he called them that? Zero. Do you know how long it took for them to conceive their first child? 25 years. 25 years, that is a long time. 
Can you imagine what his friends or what his family said? They lived a life. They made mistakes. Sarah laughed at God. Right? Let me put that on the ground for us here. 25 years ago, it was 1994. Can anyone remember what they were doing in 1994? Hang on. Were you born in 1994? Okay. Uh, okay, let's make this even more real. Best picture. Does anyone know best picture, 1994? It was Schindler's List. Great movie. I still think Lion King got robbed, but it's a great movie. Okay, the best song was I Swear by All For One. Y'all remember that song? I swear by the moon. Okay, it's a good song. Uh, I think we have a picture of what people were wearing in 94. My people, Saved by the Bell. Zach and Kelly, great love story. You probably owned a pair of Doc Martens. Tanya Harding, just a figure skater. OJ, OJ was on trial. I was eight. Here's what I'm getting at. There's not a shelf life for what God is calling you to do. I don't know where you're at with your relationship right now with Jesus, but you're not too far gone. You're not. All he wants is our want. All he needs is our need, and he will take it from there. It wasn't Abraham or Sarah's or Moses' effort. It wasn't their discipline or their gifts, but it was God's. And our God is able God is able to fulfill the calling that he has for your life. When a call is answered, people are set free. Just like Moses, when he finally answered his call, he set his people free. Right? If you feel stuck in life or you feel like you don't have purpose or direction, follow Jesus. Say yes to Jesus and he will set you free. And he doesn't just call Moses or Jacob or his disciples or Paul or pastors or missionaries. He's calling every single person in this room. And most of the time that isn't a burning bush moment. And listen, if you don't feel like you're called or you don't feel like you have a burning bush, Jesus is your burning bush. The Bible, his words are your burning bush. The Holy Spirit is your burning bush bush. The cross is your burning bush. The empty tomb is your burning bush. Will y'all pray with me? God, we are so thankful for your son. But God, we're thankful for what you are calling us to do. God, and most of us that doesn't look like a different job, most of us that doesn't look like a different line of work, but it looks like we just live differently. Like we put you in the proper place as the center and as king of our lives. That's what you're calling us for. God, help us right now discern what our calling is. God, what are you calling for us? God, that's to love you with everything that you have, to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
Those are the greatest commandments. That's what you're calling us to do. God, help us live that because we can't do it ourselves. God, we need you. And God, you are able to fulfill that call in our lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.